All right, welcome to the free stretch here on JoeBucksFan.com. I am Bobby Fenton, week 14 edition of the show. And, man, it's just going by fast. We've got five weeks left in the National Football League regular season. Probably, at least for the Bucks, none more impactful than what they'll have on Sunday, what the opportunity they'll have on Sunday will be. And that's a chance to beat Atlanta to get a season split in that head-to-head series to even their record with them. And if you go all the way down to common opponent record, technically take the lead in the NFC South if they can go up to the Dome and beat a Falcons team that came into Raymond James Stadium a few, well, over a month ago now and beat the Bucs 16-13 in a very ugly game that the Bucs felt like they gave it away. Feels like they owe the Falcons one here now. And we'll see if they can pull it off. And I'm going to tell you what, folks. After, I don't remember which game it was a few weeks ago, but when it started to become apparent that this Bucks team wasn't very good, and I am not really feeling any differently about the Bucks after beating Carolina 21-18 at home than I was after they lost to the Colts. I know it's always better to win. We feel better. But do you feel like better about the Bucks as far as how good they are? We all feel better about their outlook on the season because they've got a big game that could help win the division. But my point is, after watching the Bucks over the past few weeks, it was a few weeks ago where I said, hey, what's going to happen now is going to determine the path of this franchise going forward. Like, we're at a crossroads, and we don't know like which road is which. The roads aren't marked. There's not a good road and a bad road, really, because we don't know. But I said that about basically the entire rest of the upcoming season when I said that a few weeks ago. But if that idea, if that concept is crystallized into one football game at all, it is this one. Because just the way the standings are, just the way the mathematics of it work right now, if the Bucks lose this game, they're pretty much done. They'd be, uh, they've lost the tiebreaker to the Falcons. They'd be two games, essentially three games behind them because of not having the tiebreaker. They'd have to make up three games in four weeks against Atlanta. And it's not impossible, but it's incredibly unlikely. If they win this game, this is probably the highest leverage game as far as your probability to make the playoffs changing based on one outcome. It's this one. If they win this game, like we said, they're tied, but then they have a tiebreaker. They're in much... Atlanta's in much better shape if they win than if the Bucks win the shape the Bucks would be in. I didn't say that the way I wanted to, but you know what I mean. Because if the Bucks win, they simply get themselves in the conversation, but they're still pretty much neck and neck. Where if the Falcons win, it's all but over. Or at least for the Bucks, I guess the Saints could have an outside chance. So there's a lot riding on this one. When I say there's a lot riding on this one, I'm not just talking about the potential to win the division. We're talking about how the team behaves, how the Glazers behave, what decisions get made, what philosophies are embraced, which ones are rejected. All of those things are on the line on Sunday. And like I said, that's dramatic enough. But what's funny about it is that we don't, you know, a lot of times when something's dramatic, it's because there's one really, really good thing and one really, really bad thing. And oh my God, which one's it going to be? And I don't know which the good thing and the bad thing is. And I'm not saying, uh, I, I, I am rooting for the Bucks. okay? I am rooting for the Bucks on Sunday, like I always am. I'm not saying we should root to lose so that we can fire everybody and get a better draft pick. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if they lose, that sort of thing might happen. 
and it might lead us a certain way, which we don't know if it's good or bad. And if they win, a different set of things will happen, but we don't know if those are good or bad either. We just don't know, and we won't know for five years from now. Actually, we'll never know because you only know what happens, and you can look back and say, okay, that's what happened, and then this happened as a result. You don't know what would have been or what could have been. We're never going to know. So it's only going to go one way or the other, and you can overwhelm yourself thinking about it. I'm kind of, this is like kind of wild. The next, you know, however many years of the franchise probably go into, you know, what happens here. Because if this game gets lost, especially if they don't look very, not that he ever looked good losing, but if they go out there and do the same thing they did against Indy, or they just look like they can't, or the same thing they did against Atlanta the first time, or they couldn't run the ball a lick, or they can't take advantage of turnovers, or they continually find ways to shoot themselves in the foot or snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. If that happens again, if there are blown coverages like we've seen too many of, then Todd Bowles is in trouble. And not during the year, but at the end of the season. This will, and the schedule doesn't get easier, okay? They've got some tough games coming up against, well, they got the Packers who are playing really well. They've got Jacksonville on Christmas Eve. Well, I don't know the status of Trevor Lawrence. By then, who knows? Uh, they got the Saints and one more with the Panthers, of course. And then they got this one. So, I mean, you're playing teams that maybe aren't top of the league, but you're playing teams that are both pretty decent. And and in the case of the Jags and the Packers and the Saints, they're still fighting for things. And obviously Atlanta is too because they want to get this done right now. And so, you know, if you lose this game, you're out of it pretty much for the division anyway, and then you've got tougher games coming up that could make it all just even worse, and it it could downward spiral then. And so, and even if you win, that could happen, honestly. I mean, I tell you, they could win this game and then go on a three-game losing streak. I don't know. But the point is, lots are, uh, lots is at stake here. Lots is at stake. And the way things are going to go is going to be heavily determined by this football game. So it's a one o'clock kickoff. As far as the injury report for the game right now, and I'm recording this on Thursday morning, so they haven't let anything out about Thursday's practice yet. But on Wednesday, Vita Vea did not participate. He's got a toe thing. That's definitely, I mean, any injury you want to keep an eye on, but that's something to watch with Vita Vea because the Falcons run the ball like 743 times a game. So you definitely want to have a guy like him in there for this one. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, he was limited in practice yesterday, both ankle and back stuff, and I was at the game. We'll talk about the game on Sunday a little bit uh, with the Panthers, but I was there, and you know he got hurt there in the second half, and he was down. Everybody freaked out. Then he was back in the game uh, a play or two later or a series later. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember spot shadowing on him. Like when you're at the game, sometimes you know how you pick out a guy, and you just, I'm going to watch this guy on this play. And... So I was looking right at him, and he wasn't feeling great. He, was play, he played the you know, rest of the game, didn't come out of the game again. But he has felt better than he did for the rest of that. I think he'll be fine for Sunday, given a week to rest and things like that. That's why he was probably limited yesterday. But yeah, he needs some, some rejuvenation. Levante David, Servasia Dennis, back at practice. It was more like a walkthrough anyway yesterday, but they were out there. Uh, we'll see how they look today. But that's encouraging. Still no Jamel Dean, still no Devin White, anything like that. So that's where we're at with the injuries, and, and that's where we're at looking at this game against Atlanta. And this is a team that's won two straight, which I like. I always like teams because the NFL is very up and down. The NFL is very regressed to the mean, unless you're one of the upper echelon, you know, 13-4 and four types, 14-3 and three types, or unless you're really bad the way the Panthers are. Teams that are mid – 
which is a lot of the league, and it certainly describes Atlanta and the Bucks. Teams that are mid usually zig after they've zagged. They usually regress to the mean, whether positively or negatively. So I like Atlanta, especially when they're coming off wins that they won the game, but they also didn't look very good. That's when you're kind of trending the wrong way. Two wins in a row for Atlanta, and the last one was a win against the Jets last week where they win 13-8 and get outgained by the Jets, okay? And we all know the story with that offense. They get outgained by the Jets 259-194. to Yes, the Jets do have an excellent defense. But it's still, you know, I mean, the quarterback situation there is a complete mess. And by the way, and that's the one, like, looking at the um, schedule, people always talk about, oh, tough schedule, first-place schedule. And I always kind of scoff at that a little bit because in the NFL, the way the schedule formula works is 14 of your 17 games are determined by the cycle. It has nothing to do with where you finished in the division, first place, second place, third place. Then you do play three games now that there's 17. It used to be two games. You play three games that are matched up with a team that finished in the same spot you did in a different division. So this one mattered because who did we get? We only play um, one AFC East team. That's like the extra game. The rest of the AFC games we play are against the AFC South. But our division plays one AFC East game. Ours was at Buffalo. And I know Buffalo's not having the best year, but that's still a tough draw because we finished first, right? So did Buffalo. The Falcons got the Jets. So that's one game where the schedule strength did make. We, we don't get that Jets softball. Uh, had to go on a Thursday night to Buffalo instead. And so Atlanta capitalized on it, even though it wasn't pretty, even though they eked it out. They capitalized on it for the 13-8 win. But I like them coming off two straight wins, and I like them not looking all that great doing it. I like, in a way, I don't know, I like, but I mean, in a way, I think it, having had Atlanta win the first game, I think this game sets up well. And in, in, if I was a better and I'm sure there are some traps. I should look them up. I need to check. But I think the numbers favor the Bucks in this one, if not the matchups. And, again, a lot of that will be determined by who plays and how they play, especially Vita Vea. But I like the way things are trending with Atlanta. I feel like they're on a downward trend right now, having won two in a row and, and looking very, very mediocre last week. We'll see. Uh, as far as that Panthers game and – like I said, I went to the game kind of at last minute. That was one of those games that I always – some of my best Bucks experiences aren't the fun primetime games or even the sellouts, even though obviously we always want it to be sold out. But it's growing up in the 90s and the morning or early afternoon of the game saying, hey, let's go to the Bucks game today. Howard, it used to be, hey, we'll, we'll get some tickets outside for 10 bucks. Now you've got to do everything online. Nobody's actually got tickets outside. But I went on there and checked it out. And, you know, the way things have been going this year isn't what anybody wants, but it does help for ticket prices sometimes. And the tickets were 25 bucks. I told my son, hey, you want to go to the game? Let's go to the game. And I, here's another thing I love about Tampa and about Raymond James Stadium. I mean, some of these huge metropolitan areas, and given where the stadiums are located, different things, it's like a full-day commitment. Like, if you're going to the game that day like that, you're doing, you know that in advance, you're getting up, you're spending your whole day on that. I live in South Tampa. I can be sitting in my living room, and then I can go from in my living room to inside the stadium in about 40 minutes. And that's generous. If I really hurried, I could do it in less. Bought my tickets online, drove over there, parked, even threw the football around the parking lot for a few minutes. This is all like, 2.30, 3 o'clock. It wasn't even like early in the day. And we're in there. And, you know, like I said, I, I want 
the best for the franchise. I want it to be sold out constantly, tickets in the triple digits. That means things are going well. That's what I want. But as a fan, it's fun to take advantage of situations that are, uh, you know, in existence and circumstances that exist in a given day. And we did that. And it ended up raining in the first half. So let me talk about that for a second. And by the way, if you hear a lot of noise in the background, there's a little construction going on here at one game day place uh, out in the front porch, some work being done. I'm still recording the show. I don't think it's that bad, but if you notice it in the background, that's what it is. Um, get to the game. I brought my daughter and my son. My son actually went with a buddy of his and his dad because they have um, like 50-yard line seats and they had an extra ticket. So I said, okay, well, you go with them and I'll take our daughter. So I took her up and she's all excited. You know, she's only eight, loves going to the games. Starts pouring. Now, her mom didn't come with us. Her mom is somebody who, like, is really ultra-prepared, looks in advance and checks things, and would have had ponchos and a rain jacket. Uh, we had nothing. Like, we had shorts and a T-shirt because the weather was fine when we left for the game. So it's a cold, chilly rain. For those of you that were there, you know. I'm loving every minute of it because I take that any day over, like, blistering hot sun. It was overcast. I love the 4 o'clock kickoffs, especially – after daylight saving time because it gets dark like in the late second quarter toward halftime. I'd play them all at 4 o'clock, 425 if I could. But anyway, it's raining. She's like, Daddy, I'm cold. She's like, you know, I, I have to do something. I mean, I have to be a responsible father. I don't want to go. See, when it starts raining, everybody goes under the tunnel. Like the seat's emptied out. I hate that. I think that's the biggest wuss move ever. Sit out there and watch the football game. It's water. Like, I'll post the picture on Twitter if you follow me at Bobby Game Day. Because she wanted to go, and she says she had to go to the bathroom, first of all. And then she just wanted to get out of the rain. Absolute just sardine can situation in the concourse underneath both levels, the upper end, but it was worse than the lower level. But all these people, I mean, a few drops of rain falling. Oh, my God, we got to get in. Stay in your seats, man. So, I mean, you could barely move. Like, it was like, I was actually worried, like, the, the crowd was going to, like, compress us and, and like, you know, it, I didn't like it. And I'm not claustrophobic at all. I just didn't like it. I'd rather be out in the rain. And with my space, I can stretch out. So, took her in to get her to use the bathroom. Then I had to talk her into going, actually, Daddy, I want to stay here. I'm trying to, like, so what we did, we ended up going up to the upper level. You know, there's that camera booth up there. Or a press box would normally be, but the press boxes at Raymond James are like sandwiched between the upper and lower deck. But there's a camera booth at the very top, and it's got some overhangs. So we huddled under that. Pretty good seat, actually. But Raymond James, for you know whatever you want to say about it, even the highest row seat, like the last seat in the whole place, is still not that high up. So it was fine. Stayed up there. And then ended up, since the rain happened, took advantage of that because a lot of people left and went down to where my uh, – son was with his friend and their dad and he was just sat with them because there was a bunch of empty seats so watch the whole thing from there and it was a great experience great day one of those just hey let's go to the game let's do it you know beautiful time love the weather I had no problem with the rain of course it's always fun to see the Bucks win seeing Mike Evans cross over the 1,000 yard mark let me say I say it every year I'm obligated to say it I feel a responsibility to say it so I will say it again Every year he goes over 1,000 yards. Every year I have to acknowledge this, okay? I remember how disappointed I was when they drafted Mike Evans. I remember thinking, ah, oh, a receiver. Like I wanted, I, you know who I wanted? I'll tell you who I wanted. Johnny Manziel. I was all about it. Thought he was going to be a stud. Loved his moxie. And when they drafted Mike Evans, I was like, ah, oh, okay, I get You know, I, I, I wasn't like down on Mike Evans, but I just remember being really disappointed that the Bucks 
didn't draft Johnny Manziel when in reality, at the same time, they were busy drafting a future and surefire, I think, Hall of Famer in Mike Evans, who now has 10 straight seasons of over 1,000 yards, and he did it. Well, he did it in style. I mean, the actual catch that crossed over 1,000 yards came later, but he got the 75-yard touchdown reception flying through the air for the final few yards after the Panthers had just taken the lead on a Chuba Hubbard uh, short run inside the goal line there. And then the Bucks come right back and get that touchdown from Evans. And the guy has been nails, and he's been consistent, and he's been a great guy in the community off the field too, but even on, I mean, on the field has just been Mr. Reliable over and over and over again. Obviously, you've heard all the accolades this week. Everybody's got nothing but good things to say, so it's kind of cliche in a way, but it's rightfully so because he really has been just everything you hope for when you draft a guy in the first round. And you never know what you're getting, you know? You don't know for sure. And, yeah, so I'm glad the Bucks. Every year I have a, a draft crush. We all do. A lot of years I've been right, okay? Some years you whiff on one. But, yeah, definitely think it was better they took Mike Evans over uh, Johnny Mansell. <laughs> and he continues to be a mainstay and basically the most productive player offensively that the franchise has ever had. And they needed every bit of it, you know, because Carolina did get back into the game there and made it close at the end, 21-18. to 18. Of course, the big story this week has become the guy who didn't have a catch in the game, and that's Chris Godwin, who did score on a running play but didn't have a catch. It was the first time in 67 games that he hasn't had a catch going back to uh, 2018. And so Godwin, if you remember, you know, he was questionable all week. Game time decision, had the neck injury, ended up playing and gutting it out. And again, scored a touchdown. But after the game, Todd Bowles was asked about Godwin not having a catch in his overall usage. And he gave a quote that is now being thrown back in his face. Oh, we subbed him a lot, he said. You know, he didn't play as much as he usually did. Except that's not true, right? <laughs> that was easily researchable. And everybody quickly found out, no. No, he played like 85% of the team snaps. He played the same as he always does. And so, first of all, well, let me get to his wife. Then, then his wife goes public on Instagram saying, I don't know why this is the way it is, but all I know is Todd Bowles is wrong. He's been playing just as much, and there's something else. And she goes on a whole Instagram rant, blah, 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 blah. And now we got strife, okay? Now we got a thing. Now, first of all, Todd Bowles is getting ripped. I will say this much. It was like, how can this guy not even know how much he's got? Todd Bowles is the head coach, okay? He's a defensive person to begin with, but he's the head coach. And head coaches delegate, all right? So I don't expect the head coach to necessarily have a complete and total handle on everybody's snap count in a game that just finished. I mean, you're when you're coaching, and this, this, is, this is true for any head coach, but especially Todd Bowles because he is calling the defense. So he's actually calling the defense as well as being the head coach. And whatever your opinions and thoughts are on that, that's fine. But I could totally see 30 minutes after the game, he hasn't sat down and looked at it. He, he, might, he might really have thought that or he might not have really... I don't hold him at fault at all for that. I know a lot of people are like, look, this is the problem. Todd Bowles doesn't even know what one hand is doing when the other hand's doing this or that. Hey, man, he's calling defense. He's the head coach. If Dave Canales or something had said that, I'd be like, whoa, dude, come on. Because like, that's, that's exactly what the hell he is supposed to be doing. But Todd Bowles saying that, I'm okay with that. I mean, well, he might have thought he did play. Oh, yeah. He's not worried about the – I mean, he's worried about the offense as a head coach, but he's not – 
keeping track of every substitution. He's not looking at personnel. That's Dave Canales' job and the position coach's job under Dave Canales. I mean, there's a, there's a chain of command on how this stuff works. And like Bobby Bowden always said about a football sideline, it ain't a library down there. There's a lot going on. You know, you're one guy's on the headset with one guy in the press box on offense. The defensive guys, they're on headsets. They're coaching this position group, that position group. They're special teams. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's doing a million different things. What you're doing is your main and oftentimes sole focus. And I know as the head coach, he's got a, a very broad focus beyond just defense. But, yeah, I'm not – whatever. I, I don't have a problem with him saying that. And so, yes, it was wrong. Chris Godwin did play just as much as he usually does and didn't, for whatever reason, get the ball. There's a lot of philosophies on that. Canales isn't, you know, getting the ball. It's his responsibility. Canales is the first one to tell you that. Oh, no, Baker Mayfield just doesn't feel comfortable with him. He always looks to Mike Evans. Mike Evans sucks all the oxygen out of the offense. There's barely any room for Chris Godwin. And, and you know – if you look at the actual numbers, there's all these competing philosophies or theories about why it is what it is. First of all, Godwin has 85 targets this year. That's more than guys like Brandon Ayuk, for example. Okay, So he's got a fair amount of targets. And he was actually heavily targeted in his first seven games. It's declined a lot in the last five games, and obviously it was very low. Uh, no catches and only, I think, a couple targets on uh, Sunday. And, you know, first of all, just the obvious thing, he's been playing hurt, right? We had the neck thing this week. And even before that, he had a knee thing and an elbow thing. And he's been playing, to his credit, but he has been playing hurt. So just naturally, that might be a very natural consequence of that. And maybe he hasn't been himself. Maybe he hasn't been. And, you know, you look at the film, there have been times when he was open. It's not like, oh, he's not open. There have been times when he was open and Mayfield looked another direction. And again, I don't know why that is. I'm not going to pretend. And you don't know why that is either, okay? I'm not going to pretend I'm in their offensive meetings. I'm not going to pretend I'm in Baker Mayfield's head or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, there's been times he's been open. But just for whatever reason, it's not happening. Uh, it didn't happen on Sunday. And it hasn't happened as much the past few games. We'll see, I'm sure, especially now that his wife is out there calling out the head coach. You know, we'll see and be a lot of attention paid to what his production is and what his intended level of production is going forward. But I didn't really have a huge issue with Todd Bowles and for whatever other issues you have, at least. I didn't have an issue with that thing and what he said because I get it. I mean, when you're coaching, especially when you're coaching the defense mainly, you're not going to necessarily be completely dialed into all that stuff. And that's Dave Canales' job and that's the wideouts coach's job and all those other people. But anyway, now Chris Godwin's wife is, is on uh, social media. And I'm sure they'll, listen, Bowles needs to have a talk. Godwin, actually, Godwin, if it was, and I don't know how Godwin, you know, is handling this. If I was Godwin, I would go to, to Todd Bowles myself, and I'd say, hey, listen, coach, you know, we both want the same thing. We're pulling the same chain, all that stuff. My wife loves me. She's my biggest fan. She's my biggest defender. You know, please don't read anything into that. You know, it, it's, it's normal stuff. I, I love how much she loves me. I love how much she defends people. We're not, yeah. and I'm sure Todd Bowles will be like, hey, fine, don't worry about it. Like, that's all it needs to be. I, again, I'm not I'm a member of the Bucks coaching staff or a member of the team on the roster. Man to man, if it was me and that happened, that's what I would do, and I bet you it'd be the end of it, and I, I hope that's what happens. I don't think it has to turn into a big thing as long as the two of them talk and, and Godwin just says, you know, hey, it's my way. And if I was Bowles, I would be incredibly magnanimous about the whole thing. I'd be like, hey, no, don't worry about it. Hey, I, I, 
no, no hard feelings at all. Your wife loves you. She cares about you. I respect that. Don't worry about it. Like, the, the, this can be dealt with like no big deal. So I don't think it's a thing or anything like that. But that's what I would say and what I, or how I would try and handle it if I was either of those guys. I also want to say thanks to Chris Godwin, by the way, because my son and his buddy after the game uh, went down there to the railing, like when the game was over and everybody was shaking hands and the players were running off. And Chris Godwin, my, my son's friend was wearing a Chris Godwin jersey, and my son's friend tossed him his wide receivers, or Godwin tossed my son's friend his wide receiver gloves from the game. And so their buddies, you know, my, my son and his buddy, they agreed they would each keep one glove. So I've got Godwin's left-handed glove in here right now. Uh, for, <laughs> here in the house that he wore on Sunday in my son's uh, cubby hole here in the mud room, which is pretty cool. So, you know, hats off to him. And he did get the touchdown again. We'll see what he ends up doing in Atlanta. He, he has come out for the division game. Chris Godwin, traditionally his numbers have been better in division games. He has had two of the biggest games of his career have come against the Falcons, whether there's anything statistical actually to that or if it's just you know, statistical randomness, not sure. But hopefully it helps with something on Sunday because, like I said, big one for the Bucks here, and I can't help myself. I mean, I'm not going to be a guy who tries to pretend I know exactly how the future is going to go and it would be better if this happened or better if that happened. They have a chance. If, if they were 8 and 4 right now instead of 5 and 7 and the Falcons were 9 and 3, for example, this game would have just as much meaning Maybe not quite as much meaning because just your prospects for a Super Bowl maybe aren't the same. But as far as like the playoffs and standing and all, it, this is just as important, right? You have a game. You have a game. If I told you nothing else before the season started, you have a game for first place in the NFC South, a showdown with the other team who's considered the favorite. You have that in Week 14 in December. When the weather starts to turn, not that they're playing outside, but you know, this is that time of year in the NFL. I love this. Once Thanksgiving hits in the NFL, it starts to get a little bit better to me. Like, it's more fun. I love it. Like, now we're getting into it, okay? If I told you before the season, hey, week 14, December, game for the division, let's go. You'd be fired up, right? So, obviously, having watched the first 12 games, maybe you're less fired up now, but the situation remains the same. And I don't know, you know, what's going to happen if they win. I feel like I have a little better idea what's going to happen if they lose. Either way, a lot of it's going to be determined on Sunday afternoon. So enjoy watching the football game. This is a great one to have some buddies come over, say, hey, we got the NFC South up for grabs right now. Come over. Let's get some food. Let's watch the game together. Whatever you're going to do, you know, go out to a sports bar, have some people over your house. Just, you know, make, make an event out of it, right? Always use it as an excuse, like I always say to get together with people you like spending time with, whether it's friends or family or whoever. If you want to get a hold of me, I love hearing from you guys. You can email me, bobbygameday at yahoo.com is the email address, B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y, bobbygameday at yahoo.com. On Twitter, like I said before, you can get me at bobbygameday. That is your free stretch for week 14. We are getting ready for Bucks Falcons Sunday at 1. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Be safe. I want to thank the Joes at JoeBucksFan.com, the single best place anywhere, TV, Internet, radio, whatever it is, the single best place for Bucks coverage right here at JoeBucksFan.com. It is an honor and a privilege to be a part of it and to get in front of all you guys, the privilege they give me to allow me to do that. Thanks to them. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, we're talking about a first-place 
six and seven football team. We'll see about that. But in the meantime, enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. The holidays are approaching. The football is big. Don't take it for granted. Wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good night, and go Bucks.